1: So we also the images out of Philadelphia when young people looted and ransacked a Wawa store in the city's northeast side, including outside in the parking lot. You had large groups engaging and fighting with each other, just complete lawlessness in the city of Philadelphia. At least 20 people were shot, four deaths over the weekend. Chicago, almost 40 people were shot this weekend, this last weekend. Seven were killed. So what's happening in America's cities? How has it gotten this bad? And how did we arrive at this place where somehow criminals are the victims? People put up statues of George Floyd, a guy who put a gun to a woman's stomach as him and his friends robbed her in her house. Kamala Harris, our own vice president, told Jacob Blake, who had showed up at a woman's house to re-victimize her in Wisconsin, then pulled a knife on police officers. Kamala Harris told him that she's proud of him. So how did we get to this place where criminals are somehow the victims, and in the instance of George Floyd, we're actually lionizing them. And and how responsible is someone like George Soros in getting these DAs elected? We're going to ask all these questions to Heather McDonald. You know her. She wrote that book, The War on Cops. It's an incredible book. She's the author of seven, several books, in fact, uh, always smart, always succinct. She's also a fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a contributing editor of the Institute's City Journal. So, we're going to ask her about all these things. And this is obviously becoming a big issue heading into the midterm elections as well. So, how is that going to play out? So, all these questions to Heather McDonald, you're going to want to listen to this. She's always great, always smart, always insightful. Here she is, Heather McDonald. <music> Heather, I I talked to you. I think it might have been maybe a year ago uh, about some of these issues, but it doesn't seem to be letting up this crime sweeping America. You know, Senator Ted Cruz just tweeted talking about violent crime levels in Democrat run cities like Baltimore, L.A., Philly, D.C., New York all on track to beat their 2021 violent crime levels. You know, violent crime up in cities like New York, I think 40 percent from last year is what he tweeted. How bad is it right now in American cities?
3: Well, it's very bad. It's particularly bad depending on where you live. Uh, The fact remains, Lisa, as it always has been the case, that the vast majority of violent street crime is committed in minority neighborhoods against minority victims committed by minority perpetrators. But since the George Floyd riots, not only has uh, the homicide and drive-by shooting rate in those inner city neighborhoods just gone up massively but it is also spreading into safer neighborhoods we saw last year places like chicago that established police presence at designated hours at gas stations in the suburbs because people were getting carjacked you could go and and fill your tank uh, when (laughs) despite the uh, high prices you'd get ripped off that way but at least your car wouldn't be stolen uh, and people are getting uh, robbed on, in restaurants, you know, their, their, their watches are being stolen. And there's also just an appalling level of gratuitous violence uh, that the knockout game has been resurrected where where inner city youth are coming up and just bashing people on the back of their heads. Uh, The anti-Asian violence is particularly egregious. The mainstream media and the Biden administration have a phony narrative that this is all white supremacy. Uh, If you've seen any of the videos of these anti-Asian hate hate attacks, they're almost exclusively committed by blacks. Uh, so, So you have a rapid disintegration of social norms and the rightful expectation of safety that all Americans deserve to bring when they go outside.
1: You know, you look at a lot of these cities, like, for instance, I used to live in the West Village in New York. It was a pretty safe city, right? So crime seemed even more specific to certain neighborhoods. If you avoid those neighborhoods, you're largely okay. As you just mentioned, a lot of these cities like New York, Chicago, it's seeping out into the suburbs. It's expanding. Why, Why do you think that's happening?
3: Just because we've given such a green light to criminals. Why not? You know, you can you can expand your range of victims. Uh, and there's just a sense of entitlement. I, these, you know, I would say, I, I go back and forth in my mind over this, Lisa. Which is worse, the mass looting, the mass retail theft, uh, or the or the physical violence? And in it, arguably, it's the mass looting that is even more disturbing as to what's happening in our society because the one of the primary missions. Of government is to protect property not because you know we're greedy or or you know fiendishly avaricious or capitalistic it's because property is what human beings create when they go about the miracle of trade and commerce and if you can't secure property if the government cannot secure property it has no legitimacy left and and that is now absolutely pervasive here in New York you can't buy a tube of toothpaste. The toothpaste is locked up, the criminals aren't. The most trivial items of daily use truth toothpaste, shaving cream, lotion are all locked up behind plexiglass barriers because the shoplifting problem is so great, and stores would rather dis. You know, make make it very difficult for customers. If not closed down entirely, then it costs shoplifters and be inevitably accused of racism. Do
1: we have any idea what the net economic impact of all of this is? You know, we look at places. You know, companies like Starbucks announcing it's closing 16 locations in some of these major cities like D.C., Seattle, Los Angeles, Philly. The list goes on. McDonald's uh, chief executive officer recently you know, warned about crime gripping Chicago It being an issue for his company. We've seen companies or financial groups like Citadel heading out, heading to Miami, leaving Chicago. Do, do we have any idea what the economic impact has been on some of these cities because of crime and not being able to get it under control?
3: Well, it, it certainly is in the hundreds of millions of dollars, I would think. And it's, of course, the business owners that suffer the most that uh, lose customers when people go online. You know, why, why go to a Dwayne Reed or a Walgreens and have to wait for somebody to come and unlock your toothpaste if you can just buy online? You've got a, a white flight going on like crazy from cities where all these progressive liberals won't talk about crime because they think it's racist to do so, but they're voting with their feet. Uh, so you have a redistribution, but it's, it's really hurting uh, inner city core's. And we saw the reverse happen in New York City in the, in the 1990s under Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, where he, through proactive, constitutional, colorblind policing, uh, brought crime down 50%, and it continued to go down until we had Mayor de Blasio and the George Floyd rights to be uh, ultimately a crime down of 85%. The economic power of that was massive. The tourism industry came back, restaurants you know, started up all over the city. Uh, and so you can just put that in, in reverse gear and understand how it it affects things where people are worried about staying out light, late and taking the subway home. You know, you're not going to go to that late night show if you're worried about that. You're not going to stay around at a restaurant or go out to a restaurant uh, if, you, if you don't want to pay cab fare. And and fear that the subway you're going to get bashed or pushed into the into the tracks.
1: I mean, I wouldn't take the subway in New York. I, I lived there for three years. I used to take the subway every single day to work to Fox uh, or not every day, but most days to the Fox headquarters in Midtown. I took it every single day. I never really worried about it. I mean, I wouldn't take it super late at night. I wouldn't take it if I had been you know drinking at all with friends. But I always felt safe. I wouldn't take it now. And, and that seems to be the sentiment of most of the people I talk about. I talk to in the city.
3: Absolutely. I, I just got back to New York from California, and I'm really, I'm really making that calculation. It's so much easier to use than surface streets, but there's just been such a regular string of, of violent crime in the subways, and you just think, is it, is it worth it? And, and this was another sign of the rebirth of New York. I could get out at my local subway stop on the Lexington line at, at 11 p.m., and there'd be people pouring out. Uh, because they felt safe about staying late at work or work, going out for drinks, that's not happening now. I can guarantee you.
1: Well, and you got to this earlier, but we're, we're in this weird time where the left almost sees criminals as if they're the victims. Yeah, you know, we've put up statues of George Floyd. You know, Kamala Harris told Jacob Blake, who showed up at a woman's house to re-victimize her, pulled a knife on police, that she was proud of him. How do do we arrive at this place where not only are criminals somehow the victims, but in the instance of George Floyd, we're lionizing them?
3: Well, I'm going to broach a very difficult topic, Lisa, which is race. And it's something that well-meaning Americans just don't want to talk about. You know, we are the opposite of white supremacists. Uh, we, We don't want to say the obvious. It's because the vast majority of violent street criminals are black and to a lesser extent Hispanics. And well-meaning Americans turn their eyes away from that reality. And we are unwinding law enforcement in the name of avoiding so-called disparate impact, which is the fact that if you police in a colorblind, neutral fashion, you will have a negative disparate impact on black criminals because their rates of crime uh, among blacks is so much higher. In, for example, in New York City, blacks are 22% of the population but they commit about three-quarters of all drive-by shootings. If you add Hispanic drive-by shootings to that, you account for virtually all drive-by shootings in the city. All. Whites are not committing drive-by shootings. That is the reality in every single American city. And so we've decided that rather enforce the law, if if, a, if, if arresting those retail theft vandals, the people that are walking into stores with, with trash bags and just filling them out and, filling them up and and strolling out, uh, that will result in disparate arrests of minority shoplifters. We've decided we'd rather not enforce the law. We'd rather not increase so-called mass incarceration of blacks, which is not mass. It is incarceration. It is not mass. It is not disproportionate to the crime rate in our country. Nobody wants to acknowledge that. Uh, And so if there were not racial disparities in incarceration, in policing, we would not be unwinding the the law system. We would say, lock them up and throw away the key. But it's because of our understandable guilt about racism in the past in this country that we are turning our eyes away from what's happening now in the streets. And and the irony, Lisa, you know, the, the left, the mainstream media, the New York Times, just routinely put scare quotes around crime. They say, oh, these conservatives, they're talking about crime, you know, little little air quotes being, being ironizing the the topic uh, as if this is all just a figment of the racist conservative imagination. When they dismiss this current crime increase, which is what they're doing, what they're saying is to us, black lives don't matter. We we're not going to we're not going to acknowledge that there's this massive homicide increase, because were we to do so, we'd have to acknowledge uh, black on black crime. So they're basically saying, don't pay attention to it. It doesn't matter. Well, it does matter because there are thousands upon thousands of hardworking law-abiding residents of inner-city neighborhoods who deserve police protection, who are terrified to go out, especially the elderly, and we're turning our backs on them, too. Well, it's also, I mean,
1: if you look at who the victims are, aren't they predominantly minorities? in a lot of these cities?
3: Yes, absolutely. So it's like you think they would care about them. You know, it's that's what like, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. For, for, for the media, for the New York Times to to scoff at the idea that crime has gone up and to say, oh, this is just some sort of conservative talking point, they are essentially saying black victims don't matter, that we don't think there's a crime increase. To 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 deny the crime increase means denying that thousands more Blacks died in homicide, were killed by homicide in 2000, and even more in 2021. You can't have it both ways. You can't say Black Lives Matter and then say we're not going to uh, be concerned about this crime increase.
1: Quick commercial break. More with Heather McDonald on the other side. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com slash Lisa.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
1: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
3: (laughs)
2: Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
1: How responsible is George Soros in getting some of these DAs elected for the increase in crime in America's cities?
3: Well, I think he's very responsible for getting these, these progressive DAs elected who are saying they're not going to enforce a whole host of laws because those laws have a disparate impact on black. Again, Lisa, I can't stress enough, the, the ruling principle in our world today is avoiding disparate impact. That's everything that you see that's going on in the criminal justice system today. It is driven by disparate impact. Soros has put these guys in. Uh, you know, they're saying we're not going to prosecute turnstile jumping in the subway systems because that has a disparate impact on blacks. We're not going to Uh, prosecute theft, larceny, because that has a disparate impact on blacks. They're even not prosecuting resisting arrest, which is the nadir of civilization. If you're not going to punish people who disobey cops, then there is no more civilization. So that's a, a very big factor of the lack of prosecution so that there's no criminal consequences. But I would say responsibility also rests with Joe Biden and the rest of the Democratic establishment. Biden is still harping on his uh, racism and white supremacy defines this country theme. Uh, He is, for uh, maybe the last couple of months, he has not been as explicit about saying the criminal justice system is racist, but that's been a constant refrain, both as, as a candidate for president uh, and, and since he, the day he took office and ever since he keeps bashing the cops as racist. And, and when they hear that, if they're being told that they're racist for going into minority neighborhoods and making stops of, of known gang bangers, not surprisingly, cops are going to do less of it because policing is political and they're getting the political message that this is not what's wanted in society. So the cops have backed off and that's allowed Again, criminals become emboldened.
1: Well, and also just not having enough police officers in a lot of these cities, right? I mean, I was reading in Chicago, something like 900 officers had left the Chicago Police Department between January and October of 2021, while only 51 joined. And, you know, I know we talked about this the last time you were on about this issue arising in, in so many of the cities. So how big of an impact is that happening of police officers just being like, to your point of after, you know, just getting beaten up so badly, being like, you know what, I'm out. Like, I don't need this. I'm, I'm going to go into a different career field or, or move to a safer city. Like I'm out.
3: Oh, it's huge. Uh, Minneapolis is down a third since George Floyd race riots. Um, and, you know, the burning down of the of the third precinct in, in Minneapolis Uh, There is a total recruiting crisis in this country. Uh, You know, everybody's trying to poach everybody else, but I don't know a single police department that isn't facing the difficulty of trying to replace the officers who have took off, and and they just can't do it. Uh, You know, you can offer larger salaries all you want, but if people are getting excrement thrown at them, uh, you know, when they try and make an arrest or rocks and bottles and people cursing at them, that's not really a, a, a profession of choice that anybody would go into who ha- who has a choice.
1: Well, And it looks like the left isn't slowing down with some of this stuff. I mean, the state of Illinois has, ha- has a law going into effect, I believe, in 2023, January 1st, 2023, ending cash bail in the state. And it's ironically named the Safety Act, which it's clearly not. Uh, And what it's being called is the Purge Act. What kind of impact do you think that is going to have when Illinois, specifically looking at, you know, the Chicago area, is already just riped with crime and and murder?
3: Yeah. Well, uh, the Illinois legislature is a real problem. Uh, It used to be Rahm Emanuel and his, his police chief used to say, we need stronger gun laws here to prosecute illegal gun possession and, and use of guns in, in crimes, and uh, we need longer sentences. And, and the Illinois legislature in Springfield would inevitably block that in the name of disparate impact, because if you prosecute gun criminals uh, at a higher rate, you're going to have a disparate impact on blacks. Blacks in Chicago or or Uh, A little under a third of the population, they commit about 80% of all murders and drive-by shootings. If judges and prosecutors have no mechanism for holding people who have a very high, high likelihood of um, committing another crime while awaiting trial, that that does add to the uh, criminal burden.
1: Quick break. More on the crime problem. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to forpatriots.com slash Lisa.
0: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means.
1: Learn more at
3: MeaningfulBeauty.com.
1: At what point do people wake up politically? You know, I you do look at this race between the Attorney General uh, Tish James against Republican challenger Michael Henry. I mean, he looks like he's potentially in the margin of error, I think it, it looks like. Or, you know, you've got Lee Zeldin running against Governor Hochul. You know, at what point do people wake up politically and realize that, they're just going to keep getting this if they elect some of these liberals in these you know, cities and, and gubernatorial races.
3: Lisa, I defer to you on that one. I, I am just astounded. I am utterly astounded that there continue to be races where the left wins, whether it's in, in Venice Beach and in, in Los Angeles or the failure of the recall of George Gascon. I do not know. And it seems to be that the left will just define deviance down and define its own tolerance down uh, in order not to have to face the fact that their philosophy has been a total failure. And so they'll just say, well, okay, so there's another, you know, 20 vagrants on my street shooting up drugs in front of my children. Uh, That's just what it is means to live in a city today. Uh, Heaven forbid I say that the police actually should move people on, that they should not allow this, that the law-abiding residents deserve to be the primary focus of public policy, not the deviant, not the antisocial. And yet I see again and again uh, people still willing to put up with this. So we'll see. I mean, I I frankly, I hate to jinx the race or, or be negative, but... In, in Los Angeles, Rick Caruso should be a shoe-in as mayor. He's a, got an extraordinary record as a, uh, uh, a developer of, of um, shopping malls. He's got an exquisite sense of taste and design. And yet, uh, the career politician Karen Bass is out polling him there. And And Los Angeles looks like hell at this point if they don't if, if, if people continue to tolerate this i i just I shake my head because you would think that at some point self interest takes over the preening sense that oh i 'm being so virtuous by allowing people to decompensate on the streets and uh, rob everybody else blind.
1: Well, it's like you know, you've got John Fetterman running for Senate in Pennsylvania, who's previously called for mass release of prisoners, specifically one third of the statewide God. criminal population, so you know it it's it sort of boggles the mind, but I think what's really sad to me is just I just don't understand how we got to a place where we're so desensitized to the loss of life, like one of my really, really good friends, Gianno Caldwell, lost his little brother at eighteen in Chicago. You look at over the week, and his little brother was only eighteen years old. I mean, you, you look at even just over the weekend, there was forty people shot, seven killed, in, in one week. It's like I know. How did we arrive at as at a place in society where we're just so desensitized to the loss of human life?
3: Well, Lisa, it's it's because the left actually is racist. The people that are being shot every weekend in Chicago, in Minneapolis, in Baton Rouge, in New Orleans are overwhelmingly black you know you it is spreading it is spreading and at some point black kids are going to i mean white kids rather going to start getting gunned down but basically uh the politicians the democratic politicians turn their eyes away from this black on black slaughter it is amazing the only people talking about it are white conservatives it's It's remarkable. That's the only people talking about it. We're the ones that are supposed to be the white supremacists. No, excuse me. You people who are who are pretending this is not happening, you are turning your backs on black victims. What steps
1: should these cities take to reclaim their city? You know what what steps should these leaders take to, you know, rid their cities of this crime and this violent crime that we're seeing? What do you think the most important steps would be?
3: The most important step is to say to the police, we expect you to go where the crime is. We expect you to use your your legitimate power in a constitutional matter, in a colorblind manner. But if you generate disparate stop and arrest statistics, which you will if you are fighting crime where it is happening, we will not come after you and accuse you of racism. We know that you cannot police constitutionally in this country without having a disparate impact on blacks, and that is because you're trying to save black lives. Officers have to believe that they're not going to be attacked. Uh, We have to support them when they're forced to use uh, lethal force because somebody's resisting arrest and, and putting them in fear of their lives. Uh, and and so we know how to do this. This is how you fight crime. There's three things you do. You arrest, you prosecute, and you incarcerate. We are not doing any of them. And it's no surprise that crime is going up. Uh, incarceration is not an end in itself. It's not ideal. We all wish we didn't have to do it. But the alternatives that the left all the time of, well, we're just going to do more welfare services and do diversion and keep people in the community. Those programs don't work. They've not worked since the 60s and 70s when we tried them, and they're not working now. It is very hard to rewire somebody who has spent the first 20 years of his life in a dysfunctional home with single mother, series of boyfriends going through the house, if we knew how to do it, it would be great. It would be great if we could empty the prisons, uh, but we, we haven't figured out how to do that yet. And so now, you don't get a second chance. You don't get a benefit of the doubt. We are. We should start giving the benefit of the doubt to the law-abiding, to those who respect everybody else's property, not to those who violate it.
1: Well, I think we really need to have a revival of the family in the importance of, you know, encouraging families, encouraging both parents to stick around and, and be there for their kids and, you know, to, to raise good kids. Were Republicans wrong to embrace criminal justice reform?
3: Uh, they were wrong to have uh, embraced the rationale in which it was done. They were very wrong to for Trump to say, oh, yeah, this is racist. The reason that Alice, whatever her name was, is in prison was because the criminal justice system was racist. No, it wasn't. It was the black co- Congressional Black Caucus that said we need higher penalties for crack cocaine because crack cocaine is the worst uh, oppression that this, this uh, community has experienced since slavery. Uh, you know, c- we, can we fiddle with, with penalties here and there? Sure, I'm willing to do that. But, but, but when you say that you're doing it in the name of fighting racism... That's where things get very bad, because that then becomes the excuse for unwinding everything else.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with before we go, Heather?
3: Uh, Vote. Yeah. I mean, do not think that that uh, the country can be saved under the present political leadership and you have to, if you have a close race in your in your jurisdiction, you have to vote. If it's not a close race, either way, you know, if, if Republicans look likely to win, vote. If they don't, vote anyway. Like, just get the bodies out there. It, this thing can be turned around. Giuliani did it. It's not rocket science. The question is, do we have the will to do so?
1: I think that's the question, and, and hopefully people heed your your warning and your words and and get out and vote in November and encourage their friends and family to do the same. There's a lot on the line this November. Heather McDonald, thanks so much for joining the show. Always insightful uh, and always honest. I, I appreciate you taking the time.
3: Thank you very much, Lisa. I appreciate talking to you. Thank you.
1: so that was heather mcdonald uh interesting conversation she's great i've had her on before she's so smart all her columns are smart she's written a ton of books as well which are obviously all really well done and including the the war on the cops so appreciate her time appreciate you guys listening every monday and thursday but you know what you can do you can listen throughout the week also want to thank john cassio my producer for putting it together leave us five stars leave us a review i love reading those um and please share with your friends and family thanks so much for listening